The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Port Ad- Big Footy Port Adelaide preview podcast for tonight. We're going to be discussing the upcoming game for round 11 versus Collingwood to be played on Sunday afternoon at the MCG. Uh, it's definitely going to be a big one um, and surprising with the MCG, but uh, seeing as Rick's still gallivanting around the United States and Macca's got a bit of a scratchy throat, I've got uh, joining me tonight is uh, Dylan from Bigfooty. How are you, Dylan? Yeah, good, thanks. It's great to be in here. It's a first time I've done this podcast with just two people. I feel like this time I actually have some responsibility to contribute to the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I mean, there is definitely a responsibility. I mean, I, I, I can talk a lot, but you're going to have to do something. So, you know, I, I hope you're yeah. ready. You had lots and lots of warning, obviously. So, oh, jeez. Is this, is this live? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's live even. That's the problem. Oh, boy. Live radio. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. And what's even more of a note is this is the first time the preview show or the review show has been done entirely by people based in Melbourne. So that's another interesting thing as well. Yeah, we're going to get around to that magpies section and have absolutely nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's like two lines in the notes, so don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, all right, so look, we'll just start off with a couple of hot topics, I think. Uh, I suppose the main one, seeing as we're talking about how we're based outside of Adelaide, um, there was a bit of a discussion on the boards this week about Port Adelaide potentially moving, I don't know if it was meant to be its administrative base or its playing or its training base, whatever else, outside of uh, Albert and Oval, uh, moving to... Potentially near the new um, hospital, uh, the Lower McEwen, uh, or I suppose near Adelaide High, one of those ovals over there, and just sort of taking up a bit of space there. Um, I know you're, probably, you're not an Adelaide native, but um, I don't know. Do you have any opinion on that at all, Dylan? Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not really totally around the issue, but it's one of those things where I think people maybe get a bit sentimental about it, and they think, you know, Alberton, we've been there for you know a hundred plus years, and it's you know it's got a lot of tradition, but if it's sort of necessary, if the club sees it as being necessary, then it's one of those things we should definitely have a look at because you know it's it's what 2016, right? Yeah. Um, it's a national competition. Yes, staying at a suburban ground be, like, just just because of tradition, it's probably not one of those things that um, we should be looking at. If we could get better facilities and we could attract players through, you know, any sort of city-based facility, then it's totally a good idea, if we can get the funding, you know, that is. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I've just got to say, just from my personal experience of coming back to Adelaide uh, a couple of weeks ago for the West Coast game, um, and just thinking, oh, great, I'll go down in the club, it's like, oh, that's not near anywhere else I'm going on this entire <laughs> trip, you know, uh, and that's fine, and they're obviously people local to the area, but, I mean, if there was a... If you could walk from Adelaide Oval to North Terrace catch a tram down to the club rooms after the game. I mean, that would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? You know? Or before the game, catch the tram down. That'd be really great. It'd be really fantastic Um, without having to make it a big deal. I mean, we got away with Alberton for a very long time being based at Football Park, but it just it's a long way and it's not near anything now. Like, it's not near anything that people go to apart from going to Alberton. Um, which, I don't know, maybe there's a bit of council blame in that as well. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, I, look, I think there's a lot of potential in the move, um, yeah. not, not just for training, but also for, you know, having a social club in the city. 
Yeah, well, I occasionally go past um, Victoria Park, obviously Collingwood's mm. ex-home ground, and it's sort of amusing to see because it's, it's been left there. Yeah. But there's still, like, the old AFL logo there and, like, ticket <laughs> signs and whatever, and it's sort of <laughs> – it's just, like – great little piece of history that's sort of just been left there and it looks like you know going back through a time portal or something to 1995 <laughs> yeah absolutely um and it, look it's not as though you get rid of albert and Noble. i mean you probably still play your games there it just means you probably change how much of your business is done out of it and that's fine too oh yeah well but, uh, we're sort of uniquely placed there and that we have the magpies and we probably place a lot more stock in our reserves team because yeah. they're the magpies than any other team in the country so it's sort of like a touchy issue and I don't know if anyone really has the answers to that right now. It, it'd have to be a better discussion if it was more of a realistic prospect at this point. I guess another factor is that um, if we are consistently having issues with the SNFL, like, for example, we've lost our, our same level of junior attachment to Alberton. You know, we don't, with the, we've got um, the SNFL side and the development squad, but the development squad, they're not strictly from the old Port Adelaide area, so it's probably easier for them to be in a more central location. Um I don't know. If we lose the SNFL side, then there's nothing keeping us at Alberton at all. And I guess that might be the idea of where, why we're speculating. It might even be an indicator. Like if this is actually happening, if the rumours are true, then it might actually be an indicator that we're thinking about, well, our time in the SNFL probably is limited. So that's an interesting possible outcome as well. But this is all hypothetical, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And uh, so. thanks to Macker in the chat. He's obviously piped up and said, Poof, Dylan, what would you know? Which is, uh, <laughs> it's great. I'm glad I came on. Really, <laughs> I have got a couple of good comments though. Um, Ryan Pillars said that bigger clubs in the world of sport have left their traditional homes to grow and haven't looked back. As much as Alberton means for us, we need to solidify our future, which I think is probably reasonable. But Bomber Clifford disagrees. He's saying the development of the port is on the horizon. And we don't want to jump from Alberton just yet. Um, I agree, sort of, except Alberton's still a long way from the port that we're talking about being developed. It's still an in-between. It's, if, like if Port Adelaide, if Alberton Oval was literally in the heart of the port near Lipson Street or something like that, um, yeah, it probably would have more of an impact. But, gee, I don't know. Um, oh, and Isaac's got a comment. Maybe the government and SANFL can spend hundreds of millions on upgrading Alberton to AFL Standard, which I'm going to guess is a dig at Geelong, potentially. Um, I don't think, it, I don't think <laughs> anyone's going to get that sort of... Every time the election rolls around, I mean. <laughs> government it's grants. incredible. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you have to say it's probably working for them because that area is, you know, it's, it's probably becoming more and more liberal, particularly with um, Ford shutting down. So <laughs> good for oh, yeah. Malcolm Turnbull and all that. Um, all right, I suppose a couple other little topics. Um, one is, I don't have a lot to say on, just Jared Ruffhead, how he's having a, a real rough time and going to miss the sport for 12 months. I mean, that's a pretty horrible thing to have happen. Uh, I suppose the most recent one, uh, example I can think of similar to this would have been Blake Carousella at Essendon um, with uh, leukemia. Ramanaskis. Oh, Ramanaskis, sorry, not Carousella. Same, yeah, yep. sorry. I always get those two mixed up for some reason. Yeah, Ramanaskis, that's fine. They both have really cool names. Yeah, well, they, I they both... I totally understand that. <laughs> no, well, they both sort of came on at the same time and played similar-ish sort of roles, so that's what it is in my head. It's just my terrible mistake. But yeah, Adam Ramanaskis, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, I mean... It's sort of one of those things you sort of you always forget mm. about it because you sort of idolize and um, put sports players on a pillar, and then when this sort of thing happens, it's really much more of a shock. Yeah, well, I mean, especially since we're told, you know, on the current affair and all these things every day, you know, if you do this, you're at a high risk for cancer. If you do this, uh, you're at a high risk for cancer. And everything these guys are doing is everything they should be doing and more. And they're, you know, supremely fit, supremely healthy. 
Um, the most they probably do is have a few beers every now and then on the off-season and maybe do some party drugs, which I don't think they've been linked to cancer yet. Um, yet. It yes. just really seems unfair. I wonder how far we are away from that, party drugs being linked to cancer, just to scare everyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's not a lot to say. It's It sucks, mm. you know, and you hope he, he gets better. And he, yeah. he gets back to the game because he's one of those players you're like watching because he's just so athletic, you know, he... Yeah. Chuck him in the ruck and he'll just he'll grab it out and bomb a clearance and he can take some awesome contested marks and you know he's just a great he seems like a great guy as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, so, I mean, as much as he sort of came through at the same time as Buddy, I mean, he's really um, kind of a, um, a one in, once in a generation player himself, and I think that's overlooked with Jared Rufford is like the fact that he can play so well up forward and down back, like that he's actually you know adept at both positions. Um, that's pretty unheard of in this current game. I can't think of anyone else in the current league that can do that. Obviously, um, Justin Westhoff, uh, once a season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, once a season, exactly. But, I mean, any given game, you could rely on Jared Roughhead going forward or going back and being, you know, very solid at his position. It's just really amazing. Um, it's really easy to underrate it and how much a loss it'll be, not just for Hawthorne, but I suppose for football, really. It's really unfortunate. But hopefully they'll come back fitter than ever and ready to go. Um <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of comments on the uh, Spreaker chat about uh, whether people should be wearing hats and maybe there should be something like that. I don't know. It's a, I suppose it's a fair question. I think just making sure they've got all the suntan cream and all that sort of stuff on. Um, uh, make sure know. it's a new era hat, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 21st all right, century. Absolutely. Not not one of um, Dr. Fuel's ridiculous port power caps, but... Uh, <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. All right. Well, look, um, just one other little hot topic before we get to the games or to the, the first time they met and the last time they met, which is about Tankgate. Where everyone's saying now, or not everyone, Collingwood have come out this week and said, hey, we think that bottom four should be a draft lottery. Everyone thinks Freo's tanking, which we've discussed previously. Um, Collingwood believing there should be a draft lottery, uh, saying that there should be a raffle for the bottom four size to see who gets the number one pick and the second, second pick, third pick, fourth pick. Um, I don't know, Dylan. What do you think about how, that? How bad is this? It happens every single year. It's the same with um, like state of origin, you know, or yeah. the fixture, you know, conferences. Maybe. <laughs> like, oh my, give me a break. Right. Yeah, but, true. What, what do you think this really achieves? Like, all, all it's all it is to me is that it would just push the perception of tanking up the ladder. Yeah. You know, so it just opens up even more teams to the scandal. Yeah. It's it's just so unthought out you know every every year it's like it comes as a fresh topic and it, the discussion starts again every time and it's like you feel jesus can't we just sort of realize that this is not better than the system we got now no no and and really it just changes like you said it just changes it to being the 15th team everyone accuses of tanking instead of the 14th you know <laughs> exactly it's, it's all it does it's ridiculous um but i think i think there's another aspect to it which is, uh, I remember back in the dark old days when Collingwood were bottom of the ladder and uh, it was in the same year that they were raising the draft age from 17 to 18 across the board um, in 1999. Uh, when it became apparent to Collingwood that they were doing terribly, they started lobbying the AFL saying, hey, it should be 17 and a half because the one year gap is too much all at once. Um, and this is entirely because they wanted to draft Ross Fraser with the number one pick who would have missed out by five days otherwise. Uh, so I think if anyone can probably talk about trying to rot the system to get the player you want at number one, um, I think it's probably Collingwood. <laughs> well, uh, and, and again, it was a bit of a 
dip in form, you could say, in 2000 and, uh, yeah. what, 2005, 2006, when they got the priority picks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're far from alone in that. Uh, they're certainly part of it. That's no doubt at all. Well, yeah, um, I think tanking sort of, it's a bit less effective now as if, because you've got to consider the payoff, right? Do you yeah. think two, you know, very, very high draft picks is worth um, possibly being detrimental to the club culture? Yeah, probably. But if it's just one, you know, no more priority picks. Yeah, that's a huge I think change. it's. I think the payoff is not as good anymore, and so there's less incentive to tank. And yeah. I, I think, I mean, come on, Frio, I mean, they, they might be tanking. They might be, but is it really worth it? I mean, does it really matter, even? No. Well, I mean, there's a situation which might matter is where they talk about raising the draft age um, every year. So every time you raise the draft age, you make the top prospects more likely to be excellent, um, just because they get more exposed form, they're closer to being in their peak physical um, form, all that sort of thing. Um, but I've got another theory, which is that Collingwood don't like the idea of tanking because any club can do it and it's hard for other clubs to stop them, unlike what Collingwood do, which is try to rot the system and bully the AFL and the AFL give in. Like right now, any any team in the league could tank, anyone anyone in the league, completely egalitarian. If you want to get the number one pick, you can go and get the number one pick by not winning a single game. So <laughs> I wonder if that's part of the complaint as well. <laughs> exactly. Oh, dear. All right. Yeah, um, it's a resounding no to that idea, I think. I think so. I mean, it's just and that, that particular idea anyway, until they come up with something a bit smarter, like, I don't know, like the NBA draft lotto sort of thing where they have, you know, you get this many balls and this many, and yeah, whatever. Fight to the death. Something, <laughs> something that actually matters, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, the grand final sprint. <laughs> the grand final sprint, exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, excellent. All right, well, look, we'll move on to the football now. Um, we'll go on to the first time they met, which is a bit of a special game. Um, this is part of the 20th season sort of celebrations that the club are doing this year. And the last, the first time we met Collingwood was the first time we met anyone in a regular home and away game in the AFL. And that was uh, round one, the 29th of March, 1997, at, uh, at the MCG. Um, it was a huge game. I reckon there would be most of the listeners that were around and barracking for Port at that time. I reckon, I reckon half of Adelaide came over in cars that weekend to come and see Port Adelaide play and, uh, Everyone said we had no chance. Uh, everyone said we had no players. And that game certainly didn't prove anyone wrong. Um, Collingwood won that one quite easily. 26 goals, 10, 166, beating Port 13 goals, 9, 87 for a total of 79-point margin. Um, we didn't win a single quarter that game. Uh, but we started we started defensively okay. Um, we were only three goals down at quarter time. Three goals down at quarter time. But then six at half time, eleven at three quarter time, and then twelve at full time. So, yeah, we just got blown out by a team that they'd been playing AFL football and we hadn't. Um, well, you, well, you know how, you, how much we, how much tradition did Collingwood have? And Port yeah. Power S nineteen ninety seven had no tradition. So. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm filling in for Macro. I've, I've got to sort of <laughs> re- replicate what he'd say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Macca was just recovering from being a Crows fan at this point, I think. So that's um, premiership, premiership hangover in waiting. (laughs) Ah, yeah, absolutely. But um, look, I mean, I guess there is a lot to you could a lot to still look at from that Collingwood side. I mean, they had the nineteen ninety premiership. They still had players from that hanging around, uh, high quality players. Uh, Nathan Buckley, you know, you can't underrate. Um, It was a really solid side, and that loss was always kind of likely. 
Um, but what was interesting for me was seeing which players were going to stand up. And some of them were players we hadn't heard of before, and some of them didn't keep standing up. Um, so we had uh, goals to two goals each to, of Scott Cummings, Fabian Francis, Brent Heaver, and Daryl Poole, which uh, Brent Heaver, I think he came through Carlton from memory. Um, kind of surprising that uh, he, that we sort of, I know the perception was, that, oh yeah, he might be okay, but he was a bit of a discard. And I think we were still getting used to the idea of winning premierships every year and that it maybe might not happen. Um, Donald Dickey, Michael Wilson and Braden Lyle were the top possession getters. Uh, Gavin Wangadeen was out for the game. He, and so Braden Lyle was the acting captain. I think this might've been one that Gavin was, he was either injured or suspended. I can't recall. I think he had I watched a bit of a clip of it. I couldn't oh, did you? see Gavin Excellent. anywhere. So. Yeah, no, he didn't play. Mm. Daryl Poole, awesome haircut. <laughs> oh, Bad yeah, ass. absolutely. <laughs> oh, look, he, he's sort of, uh, um, I kind of feel like Kane Mitchell is his spiritual successor in that regard, <laughs> just having fantastic God. hair. <laughs> if Charlie Dixon had the hair, then maybe. Oh, my God. If Charlie Dixon had that hair and that beard, oh, my God. Awesome. <laughs> That'd be the best. Cold figure. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, there we I was go. Having a look, I was so surprised to see Brendan Laid in there. It sort of looked yeah. like first year Westhoff. He was so skinny. Oh, he was. So look, skinny. Somewhere That's... out there, I remember because I recorded and watched it over and over because I was doing that at that stage of the Port Adelaide. Um, there's, somewhere out there, there's a media interview with Brendan Laid on his first trip to Melbourne saying, oh, Melbourne's a whole, um, recorded for the live news in South Australia because that's South Australia, right? That's, that's, <laughs> you want to hear, you hear the, the young so player great. going to Melbourne for the first time say that you know Melbourne's a whole. So somewhere out there, it, it's lurking. I think it might have been a Channel 7 thing. So That's awesome. Got to get on the archives for that one. <laughs> uh, Macca's chipped in. He said Wanganin was suspended, there we go, for grabbing an umpire around the neck in the final preseason game. There you go. Gee, that's a rough one, isn't it? That's leadership. Uh, <laughs> that probably set the tone for umpiring for us for our entire yeah. AFL journey. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, look, we had a, a, a good reminiscence here uh, from Raymond on the forum. Um, he said the 1997 Collingwood game would be easily the biggest loss that I've ever bothered to watch a recording of the next day. Uh, in spite of the result, it was just such a privilege to see us there on the big stage finally. And... Look, I think that was the case for a lot of people. I know that I went home and I watched the the recording. Um, it was just really great to finally see that after all the shit that had been thrown around about Port Adelaide and the media that we were still stuck in South Australia for, um, you know, saying Port Adelaide are traitors, Port Adelaide are scum, they're going to fail, da 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 da, um, that we finally were there and then we could define our own story again, which we hadn't been able to for quite a while at that point, I feel. I'd feel sorry for anyone trying to watch that game after maybe a few beers that... Jumper clash was atrocious. <laughs> yeah, uh, true. Black black top and white shorts against the white top and black shorts, and we had a white back panel and a and a white and black front, and it was just a, uh, atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Impossible yeah. to watch. I mean that that was really the huge headbutt between Port and Collingwood, really, wasn't it? That uh, <laughs> if we just Collingwood... wore the prison bars, it probably would have been more you know, easier to easier to differentiate. <laughs> Look, it probably would have because at that time I think Collingwood still had a fairly whitish Guernsey and we had a fairly blackish yep. one. They had the um, white base. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. But the the fact was that that Guernsey was probably devised by Collingwood saying, "Oh, it needs to be less like this," and Port saying, "Ah, oh, well, we're going to make it as close to that as possible." Like how Canberra was created, you know? They saying, "Oh." Which is going to be the capital of Melbourne or Sydney, and saying, "Oh no, let's in make the this stupid utterly nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's make this stupid little capital in the middle of nowhere in land, you know, unlike every other capital city in Australia." Um. 
clearly Sydney was the choice, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it would have been... Uh, I can see why you wouldn't do Sydney, because it was already fairly big, um, but who cares, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just just saying, even this many years on, Melbourne still has that inferiority complex that Adelaide has with Melbourne. Yeah, true. Melbourne's got it with Sydney. <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny when you're an Adelaidean in Sydney and you just realise that Adelaide doesn't even register. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like, I mean, Wollongong is more of a threat to Sydney than Adelaide is, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, all right, yeah, so uh, the Brownlow votes, we got nothing. And really, I think that was a really good opening game, but uh, ultimately we had a lot more excellent games to come. Uh, and I guess we'll move on now to the last time they met. Uh, which was last year, round 15, on the 9th of July, and the game was at Adelaide Oval. Um, this was a really close game, uh, where we actually started really strongly. Um, poor kick, five goals to one in the first quarter, with uh, Collingwood really clawing that margin back in the second. Um, very disappointing quarter. Um, Port rallied in the third, and we got in front. We were a couple of goals up, but the last two goals Collingwood kicked, and we ended up only winning by three points in the end. Um, Port won nine goals, twelve sixty-six, uh, beating Collingwood nine goals, nine sixty-three. Um, uh, Dylan, can you got any memories of that game for, that you particularly uh, burnt into your memory? It was so intense. The last mm. minute, oh, I can just remember the passage of play where it went inside fifty, and then it went out, and Archie took this great mark. I think it was on someone's back and on the wing, mm. with about maybe fifteen seconds to go, and just bombed it forward <laughs> and I was worried because it instantly came back and I thought geez they're going to get a mark inside 50 and I think as soon as they kicked it inside 50 it was about halfway in and then the final siren went I think Cloak even took the mark but it was too late yeah it was that close to them having a shot but it was Travis Cloak so yeah I suppose there's always that little bit it. yeah and looking a lot of ways you'd have to say I mean I kind of feel like Wingard kind of won that one for us because I think he kicked our last two goals for the game so without him we obviously lost um, and that was sort of contrary to the flow I thought because uh, Collingwood I felt I felt in that second half they were really on top of us the whole time even though we managed to sort of get a little bit further around the third um, but it was a really fascinating game I thought and it was good to get away with the win but gee you know at Adelaide Oval you'd hope to be winning against Collingwood um, when they oh. Oh. Well, it was an emotionally charged evening. It was yeah, true. Even watching the broadcast, you know, I got a bit teary eyed. It was mm. especially seeing Ollie after the game. I think he was just sort of slumped over, and yeah. yeah, obviously, the guys had a really tough week. Especially Ken, you could see in the media, he was just distraught. Yeah, to, to even I think to even get the win was huge for us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, Brownlow votes. Ollie Wines was judged best on ground, uh, and one of the outs for this week for Collingwood, Taylor Adams, was given two votes, and Matthew Broadbent got one, who is apparently an inclusion for us. So, um, if you go on the performances from that game, you'd have to say that we probably. Uh, what about Westhoff's twenty-two touches in the first half? How good was that? Here's that was so. That probably shorted his spot in the twenty-two for about two years. It seems to be how Just he on does that one it, game doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that once a year. I love it, and I love it, but I hate it so much. I, <laughs> I want yeah. to love Westhoff. Yeah, Westhoff's playing is kind of like a bus card in that occasionally you get really low, so it puts like 50 bucks back on it, and then it lasts for ages, and then he <laughs> gets really low again, he hits the threshold, and it auto-refreshes. Um, he, but he, he was fantastic in that game. Um, look, I thought Boke was pretty good as well, and uh, it was I suppose at that point we were really seeing Ryder was our number one ruckman and not Matthew Lobby, which... 
I think really we'd sort of known for a little while, but I guess I kind of stamped it on there. Like Ryder came away with 35 hitouts, Lobby had like nine. Um, and it's just amazing how much we miss Ryder, I think. I think we're kind of forgetting that even now. Like as much as Jackson Trent goes in there doing good stuff, I think I, I really can't wait for us to return to a conventional ruck setup next year. That'll be good. Oh, yeah. I hope his athleticism still on point because he'd be reaching 30 next year. So Yeah. Well, but, oh, his, his tap work, especially in that Hawthorne game a few weeks later, hmm. just to watch that live, what a privilege to have that guy as our ruckman. He's yeah. a freak. Well, I, just speaking on his fitness, I mean, that's one of those things, though, is that sometimes ruckmen do go on into their 30s because they start fairly late as a rule. And having a year off for a ruckman's probably not a bad thing. Like, it means it's a full year when he hasn't had, you know, his knees jumped up and down on. It's a full year that all these things haven't happened. So if he's just maintained his basic, you know, his fitness levels, not necessarily oh, yeah. at 100%, but even at 80%, and then he comes back with a really solid pre-season, um, there's no reason why he might not actually be better on his return. Um, maybe it, a bit less sharp, but a bit more athletic, perhaps. Wasn't it you who said that um, Essendon's in for a rough year? I think I remember seeing you right, this Essendon would be in for a rough year because all their players would have lost all that conditioning? Do you yeah. think maybe the same thing would happen to Ryder? Look, it could happen. Like, he could have lost that conditioning, but because Ruckman is so... Like, their role is different to other midfielders. So if he's a midfielder, I'd say absolutely. But having a year off from jumping into blokes, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's bad probably for his keeping up with the pace of the game um, and keeping up with the team play and all that sort of thing. That's, that's not great. Um, but there is that upside that he'll probably have a little, less, little bit less wear and tear and be able to fully heal for a year. So <laughs> Yeah, I guess, we'll I guess on the plus side, it doesn't seem like we have much of a plan in the midfield, so he probably isn't missing out on much. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll see. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, look, we might as well go into the game this week. Um, obviously, it's a Sunday game, so we don't have emergencies listed. We've got the full extended bench. Um, the big news this week is probably that Jack Homsch is out. Uh, he's out with his hamstring injury, um, and that has automatically opened up room for a tall defender to come in. And earlier today, uh, Ken Hinckley told Logan Austin he's in. So Logan Austin's in for his first game, which is bloody awesome. fantastic. Um, oh, I haven't seen him play, but, gee, uh, it's going to be exciting to, to see another key backman come in and hopefully have an impact. Um, has, there, Mike... has there ever been a player with more potential for a nickname? I mean, just just on the Stone Cold oh, yeah. Steve Austin connection alone. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you got that. You got Wolverine. Wolverine's name's Logan. Uh, you got Austin, Texas. Um, Austin Powers, if you wanted to as well. Um, oh, could we stay away from the Texas Austin thing? I mean, I feel like Taylor Walker's got I... that wrapped up. Probably copyrighted, apparently, because you can't make Texas burgers in South Australia without getting sued by Taylor Walker. Yeah, look, I think my my current thing is that. Um, I feel like we're missing out on having a player named after another player arbitrarily. So my favourite one was like Michael Wilson being named after Wilbur Wilson, who was a Central's player. Um, it'd be really great to have Logan Austin be named like Tommy after Tom Logan or something like that, just for the ridiculousness of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, um, I'm liking, well, what Broadbent gets the Cobra. I like that True. one. Yep. Particularly that jutting neck um, makes yeah. him look like a Cobra. But um, I think... To go with that one, you could do the Rattlesnake, which is one of Stone Cold Steve Austin's nicknames. Ah, very so good. So out of defense, you could have uh, Cobra to Rattlesnake or something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, Paul Valutis... Big footy joke. <laughs> well, Paul Valutis has said he's old enough to remember Steve Austin, the $6 million man. So, um, yeah, I, 
I don't know. There's two Steves, isn't there? Steve's an all right one, but whose nickname is Steve? That's terrible. (laughs) That would be the the worst nickname. What's your nickname? Steve. Oh, yeah, right. So your name's Steven? No, no, it's Logan. (laughs) (laughs) That's bizarre. But, um, yeah, so our ins this week are uh, uh, Archie, Austin, Broadbent and Carlisle. Uh, And the bench has been named. So it's an interesting bench because normally you can pick out the ones that are going to be the four inclusions, but I'm not sure this week personally. Um, the bench has been named as Broadbent, Stuart, Amon, Polek, Carlisle, Howard, and Archie. Um, gee, I don't know. You've got any thoughts there? I think probably Broadbent will stay in, will go in, and Howard will stay in. But the other five, I don't really know how to split them. Howard's probably one of the ones that I think maybe I don't want him to go out, but mm. I think he might be the guy. In a in a good dream scenario i think <laughs> for for structure purposes i think carlisle and howard stay in and okay i'd, I'd probably have archie amon and Stuart out oh, i reckon that'd be rough because i reckon both Stuart and amon played all right I, oh, I re- this has been a real gripe for me <laughs> and, and, I, and I was real glad What's... about Stuart getting the contract a couple yeah. of years ago. Oh, yeah. I've just done a backflip this year, and I reckon <laughs> he just does nothing for us. But every single week, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Stuart, he was all right. He was all right. But yeah. he doesn't do anything. No. <laughs> he gets like 12 touches. That's all he does, and they're not really good touches. No. Look, I mean, we saw a few weeks ago um, he can get exposed really easily because uh, he's not a skill player. And so when we come up against, you know, sides that are really switched on again, I mean, he'll just fall apart like he usually does. Um, well, even even last week in a win off halfback, I, I really see he might have got a knock to the head, mm. um, as he usually does. But, yeah, he only got one kick from halfback. Zero marks, one kick. Yeah. <laughs> only once this year has he gone more than 10 kicks in a game from halfback, you know, where kicking is the thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think they've got him in there as a creator. They've just got him in a, a lockdown sort of capacity. But it's debatable how valuable that is. I guess with Jonas out, you could argue it's more of a case for him to stay on that side. Um, I guess my main question, personally, of the, the bench that we haven't said will be a, a probable in or out is Polek. I I mean, Amon and Polek, they, they're both okay, but they both could be dropped. But I don't think we've got people to replace either of them, really. Not not in form. Yeah, Amon's been in. I say Amon's been in better form than Pollock. I thought Amon. Has. He yeah. got sort of roasted for that Carlton performance, but I don't think he was that bad. No. Nah. Um, no, it's it's a thing. Like Amon, it's one of those complaints that you get. Like if you are the one that goes out and tries to do things and you screw up, people are yeah. going to notice. But when Pollock's playing badly, you just don't see him, and so it's harder to get angry when you just don't see a player. I um, think. Due to the yeah. sheer amount of flankers in the team, I'd rather have Polek because he has a higher ceiling and he can run through the middle. Amon, can Amon attend a stoppage? Has he, has he ever done that? I don't know. But Polek can. I don't know. He can have an impact. It's You're right, though. You just totally don't notice him when he disappears. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how we go. I, I kind of I kind of feel like they'll both stay in. I, I think the only change will probably... Well, there'll be two changes. I think it'll be um, probably... We've got uh, Austin. Of the current bench, I think it'll be the ones that stay in. It'll be Broadbent, Howard. Oh, no, because I've, I've got to drop one of Stuart Amon and Pollock, so maybe Howard will go out. Oh. Yeah, I think realistically, and going off historical selections, yeah. 
one of the tools there is going to go out, right? And, I think you're right. And Carlisle's the guy with um, more brownie points, I guess. He's just, I don't know if you saw that video on the Put Adelaide Facebook today, the the brownie points video with Ken Hinckley. No, I didn't. No. If you haven't, classic, great video. Um, okay. <laughs> basically, just a few of the guys going around Ken Hinckley's house doing the chores for him. <laughs> it's a belter. Um, anyway, I think, yeah, Carlisle would probably go in instead of Howard. Yeah, mate. Oh, oh no, but uh, Mason Cox and Brody Grundy is. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, this is a hard one. I couldn't pick it to be honest. Yeah, I think because I... Logan Austin was like that surefire in. Yeah, I, th- I thought he would have been the tall that maybe would have just been the emergency. Mm. But now that he's like he's a lock to go in, it makes it impossible to choose. Yeah. Well, uh, Mac has got a comment on the Spreaker forum. He reckons that of the ones we're sort of debating over, that Stewart will be out and Archie will be out. Um, which I guess that's probably reasonable. I mean, it's reasonable to say the steel would come out if Broadbent comes in, because that is pretty much a straight replace. Um, JBC says Pollock plays like the inconsistent, inexperienced player he is more often than we'd like to admit, which I think is probably fair. Um, he is still a fairly inexperienced player. He's probably only played less than 30 games. Hasn't even broken yeah. that, you know, the famous 50-game barrier. And he's also, more importantly, he hasn't had a heap of games in a row, really, like a don't know what his maximum would have been, but he's. Oh, 2014, he probably. Yeah, no, he probably. A, probably only missed a couple of games that year. Yeah. If he missed any. Yeah, but um, the fitness is a real issue. Um, and I think it doesn't help that if he's anyone doing his role regularly. Um, all right, yeah. So, look, we'll move on to Collingwood, who have had a few changes themselves, forced by injury. Um, the outs are pretty big, I think. They're not the hugest outs they could be, oh, but they massive. are. But they are, well, they could be bigger, but you know, they're like, I yep. think they're, but Alex Fasola are out, Taylor Adams is out, Darcy Moore is out, and so that's sort of a bit of all categories that's a real punishment. Um, Dylan, how do you see that? Do you think that gives us a real in coming into this game? I think I would have given us like a sure victory if two of you went out with a concussion. Yeah. But uh, Fasola has been huge this year, huge. Yeah. I think he's got like, like 22 goals. Like in half a season, he's nearly equaled his uh, best goal tally ever. He's been a great sort of marking target for them, even though he's you know pretty short. And more as well. I mean, that's yeah. that's probably like you know two thirds of their forward line, really. Yeah, um, we've got um, Paul Valutis saying Adams out is huge. He killed us last year, which is true. Um, and yeah, actually, was agreeing Adams out is huge. So that's I was watching fair. the their Bulldogs game just before because I missed out on, on Sunday, I think it was. Um, yep. Yeah, it's, I think Taylor Adams is playing off the halfback now, which sort of might show you um, how dire things are at halfback for Collingwood, <laughs> yeah. which is which is funny because they traded out him directly for Heath Shaw and now they're yeah. playing him at halfback and it's, oh no, that is, that is shock and loose management. <laughs> Well, I mean, we can't. Hearts, I don't think. I don't. I think it's pretty hard for any Port Adelaide associated person in his capacity to blame anyone else for having terrible list management uh, right now. No, can't argue with that. I mean, we're wearing the dunces hat until we get a ruckman, pretty much. So um, <laughs> that, that's just how it is, I think. Um, yeah, no, I think those outs are pretty big, and the ins really don't impress me all that much. I think that we're. I don't know. I'm not really worried about any of that. They're coming in there. Um, the big news yeah. is Travis Clerk coming in, which who cares? But you know, who knows? Um, there was a comment on here, a few people saying that Cloak will be the spud that tears us apart, and that's possible. <laughs> but I just don't see it. Our defence 
as a unit has been pretty solid the last couple of weeks. And if we don't change the balance of the side, um, even, I don't know. Even with our defence, he's just not... He's been so bad this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. When he was in the AFL, I remember... <laughs> Uh, against Sydney in the first game and they flashed up his stats a few times and they showed like every single stat and it was just all zeros up until yeah. about three quarter time it was hilarious but um, also he's yeah clear that he's really struggling yeah yeah <laughs> so I mean coming like first game back MCG you know he, he might be sort of raring to get his career back on the line but still I'm not too worried about him because I can't see their delivery being so good inside fifty. No, no, it's not. It's thing. not really good as it is. You know, from what I've watched, it's about as bad as we are. And you know, they've got midfielders out. You know, their yeah. halfbacks sort of destroyed. They might even have to move Pendlebury to halfback just to sort of cover for Taylor oh, Adams. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And of course, the biggest thing for us is, I mean, our defence has been based around making supply frustrated since since we got past the Joe the Goose stage. Um, we've been really pretty good at that. And I think that uh, there was a stat shown on the forums this week about um, Port Adelaide being one of the top four sides for um, having a, a low number of goals kicked on us by key position forwards, which I found that kind of fascinating. But it's one of those stats that you realise that you know, but you don't know until you see it written, that, that's actually you know, category, uh, categorically there. Like you sort of think, yeah, we're good against tools, but you don't uh, Yeah, I don't know what any it. stats mean. I just say them and hope that I sort of sound <laughs> smart. Oh, well, that's no worries. You'll be on Channel 7 soon enough. It'll be no problem. Right. David King, look out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's oh, I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. And he's just got it all on instant recall. I mean, you've got to give that to him. Like... <laughs> Even yeah, if it's complete crap, I mean, being able to make up crap at the pace that he speaks and goes through it all is just impressive in its on its own. Even if he's just got champion data feeding all this shit through his mic, the <laughs> yeah, he's time. got a microchip in his brain that feeds it all into the little <laughs> eyeball screen or something like that. Um, yeah, now uh, I guess we'll move on to I suppose areas of the ground. Um, rocks. I personally don't rate Brody Grundy all that much. Um, oh, he's been a turnover merchant this year. Yeah, so terrible. I don't know, like, if Matthew Lobby was in the side, I'd be thinking, eh. But with Trengove in the side, I mean, I, I always think that, I mean, not in hit-outs probably, but certainly in effectiveness, I reckon Trengove should pretty easily beat him. Yeah, well, it's it's just competing against a massive 210-centimetre athlete between Brody Grundy, yeah. which I think would be the concern. But uh, I don't know, he, he's had a, an ability to sort of neutralise the rock contests, even if he's not winning them. True. Trengo, so I think I'm totally fine with that. That's that's why you probably argue that Howard stays in the lineup. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Definitely needs a pinch hit and with Westoff as well. But ugh, I hate seeing Westoff in the ruck. He's totally useless. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but um, yeah, it could be more useful, I oh. suppose. <laughs> uh, all right, in midfield, how do you see the midfield matchups with Collingwood? Uh, I think... Outside of Trelaw and Pendlebury, it sort of falls away a bit there. They've got some yeah. solid players like um, Crisp and Greenwood. Um, mm. Dugowie is all right. What a ridiculous name that is, by the way, Dugowie. <laughs> um, I think if we work hard, like if we if we do the work, unlike that Carlton game, mm. then we will smash them in the midfield because they have like basically no outsiders. Maybe, yeah. I think it's just Pendleby, Trelaw, and Sidebottom. He was huge. I would rate putting a player on Sidebottom because he's been massive this year offensively. Yeah. 
Um, look, I mean, I kind of feel like it's not a dissimilar sort of midfield to Melbourne last week in that it's just, you know, a bunch of honest players um, that you could beat on class or system. Um, particularly, yeah, I, I think that I think we can match them in midfield. Um, I think we've got a bit more explosiveness and I think we're very... I reckon Ollie Wines has been on the up and I reckon we're a very short time away from him actually coming back into his form that he was in, say, a year or two years ago. Um, he's been putting up the numbers, but I, I feel like his impact on games hasn't been as high, but I think we're starting to see that come back again, um, like the real impact and game-changing way he can play. So hopefully that's this week. It'd be a really good week to do it. Um, but Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, just, I'm less worried about the inside as I'm thinking how we can do it yeah. on the outside. They got absolutely destroyed by guys like Dale House and um, yeah. Easton Wood. So oh, maybe yeah. Pittard will have a huge game. Um, yeah, so McRae and Hunter also absolutely racked it up. Yeah. But I don't know how much you can judge that again because, I mean, they were playing with no one on the bench for a that's, quarter. That's really true. Um, JBC's got a good question here. Do you think Ebert might blanket someone again? I just think I, I'd like him to go with side bottom. Yeah, I think that's a good matchup. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a real gut runner as well and he gets around yeah. the ground a lot and he's so effective on the half-forward flank as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and admittedly, sometimes Ebert sprays it, but he's one of those players, like, if he if he's in a role where he's making his opponent less effective, he can probably get away with it a bit more. Um, Ryan Pillars said he'd send Ebert to Trelaw, but I, I think Trelaw might be a bit nippy for him. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Oh, if if he's dominating us, but yeah. I, I like Ebert to run with a sort of... Oh, you know, actually... He was really good against Viney last week, so I was going to say maybe he can deal with the inside midfielders. But, yeah, Ooh, Pendlebury might be a decent option. He's not that fast. But, yeah. and again, he's one of those guys that just always he's finds smart. a way. He always he's finds smart. space. Yeah, That's he's the thing that worries me about Ebert on Pendlebury is that Pendlebury's probably a bit, got a bit more footy now, I think, in some respects. Um, not saying that Ebert has none, but I think if you're going to have a battle of wits, I'd probably back Pendlebury in between those two. Um, yeah, um, uh, you'd, you'd probably get a, you'd probably get more out of nullifying side bottom than you know half nullifying Pendlebury. Yeah, yeah. All right, and moving on to the forwards. I mean, what do you think of that Collingwood forward line? It, it's kind of like a disaster zone, really. Kind of like a what forward line, basically? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mason Cox uh, over here in the media in Melbourne, you just hear about him constantly on the TV. Um, I love it. it. <laughs> I, I love the, Nathan, the Mason Cox favourites. <laughs> So awesome, those little cameos that he gets, like that run and bounce against Geelong. Oh. It's incredible. You didn't, he could go, like, a Ruckman could have 200 games and never do that. Yeah, yeah. Much less a guy from America. And he's so lumbering as well, which is what made it even just funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, um, it's interesting. Um, but the reality is he's, he's a long way from being at top form. And the only game where he's kicked, I think, more than two goals was against Brisbane. And everyone's kicking more than two goals against Brisbane these days. Oh, yeah. So that's not really so big as it could be. Um, I'm not really worried about that forward line, particularly with the solo out. So I think we beat them, particularly with our think, defense in fairly solid form. Yeah, I think one to watch out for is Josh Smith, if he's still okay. playing. He, he's looked pretty good in the last couple of weeks. That I, go. Uh, I think he started playing for Collingwood this year, but he sort of looks all right. A real nippy, good skills off the half-forward flank. Right. Um, ben Crocker, <laughs> I don't know much about him. <laughs> no, no, me either. And for um, solo, for solo is that one guy, like him yeah. and him and side bottom on half, at the half forward flank, are just those creators, and they're missing half of that. So I'm not particularly worried about the forward line. 
No. Um, we've got a fantastic couple of comments on the Spreaker forum. Um, Stockholm says, trust an American to make Collingwood watchable. And my favourite one here is Paul Valuta saying that Mason Cox looks like a running giraffe. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, He's just a gigantic <laughs> neck, isn't he? <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Um, and probably pretty accurate too. Uh, as far as Collingwood's defence, I mean, I kind of feel like with the injuries, if you're looking at the sort of the survivors in the areas that are still pretty good, I reckon their defence is still pretty solid in a lot of ways. Um, how do you see Collingwood's defence matching up against our forward line? Who's going to go on Dixon? Are they going to beat him? I reckon Ben Reid will probably go to Dixon. Mm. But athletic. Um, Frost will probably go to... Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because if Howard plays... Him and Westhoff are sort of similar in that they're not really big, they're just agile. Um, yeah. Tuvi and Frost will go to those two. I, which one, it, you know, I don't even know how it's going to play, so I can't really I can't really tell. But I think Ben yeah. Reid will go to Dixon. He was really good last week. Um, and Frost was Frost and Tuvi were good last week as well. I don't know. Their key, their key defenders did pretty good against the Bulldogs. Stringer was basically completely ineffective. Yeah, I think that was two V on him for most of the game until he got concussed. Yeah, um, got a good question from Mark Else, which I guess is my question as well. Um, who do Collingwood have for Chad Wingard? Uh, um. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Because I mean, uh, Jeremy Howe. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> he got eleven rebound fifties last week. He was, oh, he's Joel yeah, Bowden up on the half flank. He's just not really good though. <laughs> no, well, he's, he's Joel no, Bowden. They, if you remember him, no, they have a... any shutdown defenders. Oh, well, Greenwood did a good shutdown job last week, um, but I don't think it is a good physical matchup for Wingard. I don't reckon they've got one. It could but, just be like last week where he just finds pockets of space and tears them apart. Yeah, and look, I mean, if he's opposed to Jeremy Howe and Jeremy Howe floats around the back line doing his own thing and Chad Wingard ends up doing his own thing, Wingard will win that one because um, he's a better player. He's got better disposal, he's got better skills. Howe's Maynard, got good instincts, but... Maynard yeah. and Oxley as well on the bench. Yeah. It's certain yeah. if they're in, but they're both not really good. No. Oxley in particular last week was pretty atrocious. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm really worried. We're going through this section by section, and it looks like on paper we should win this yeah, game, I'm and that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, on paper, we should win this game. With Collingwood's injuries, the fact that we've found a little bit of form and the areas where they're weak, we are strong. Um, that's interesting. Um, and I guess coming to the coach, should we be worried about Nathan Buckley as a coach? Um, we beat Collingwood, obviously, last time we played them, and the last game we played at the MCG we did lose but the game before that was the elimination final where we trashed them so uh, I don't know do you think Nathan Buckley as a coach is really anything we should be worried about or is he just sort of a bit of a caretaker I, it's really annoying because I want him to do good in a way so mm-hmm. I don't you know, I don't really mind calling when they're a bit of a second team for me if I could get as close to a second team as I could get I guess um, but and I enjoy listening to him speak. You know, he just seems like one of those really intelligent, articulate players. Yeah. Contrary to most players who come out of football and go straight into the media, which he did. He sort of did a bit in the media before he went to coaching. Yep. Um, yeah, but I, it's sort of hard to judge his coaching, I think, because yeah. he's been sort of building his own squad, and now he's sort of it's, – it's fully his squad now, right? But mm. they've just been so smashed by injuries that you can't really, you can sort of justify this entire season with just oh yeah they've had so many injuries. 
Yeah. So I think I think he's sort of hamstrung by that, and in that sense, he's probably not much of a threat now. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you look at Collingwood, and because it's Collingwood, you're related to things that happened previously in Collingwood history, and I suppose the big comparison there is... Uh, uh, he is to Mick Moldhouse what Tony Shaw was Tony to Shaw. Um, uh, Lee Matthews. Um, Lee Matthews, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. In that he's sort of taken over after, right after a premiership and it's just not worked, you know. Because Collingwood premierships, they don't happen very often. Um, <laughs> I, I was real, honestly, I was really excited in, in some ways, like just in that really perverse, awful way when Collingwood won the premiership because I thought this is a perfect time for a Collingwood premiership because Moldhouse and Buckley will fight for credit over that forever. And fans will choose sides, and yeah, like you can't credit that to Nathan Buckley that Premiership. So now he's their head coach, and what's he done? But he was sort of part of it, but he sort of wasn't. Like it's a huge limbo yep. state that he's in, and it's just yep. absolutely every year wonderful. it's you can, it's just a linear downward spiral, hasn't it? It's just been, yeah, yeah. Like, won, like, won a couple of finals, didn't win a final, dropped out yep. of the eight, <laughs> yeah, missed the eight again. Going that far, yeah. I mean, if you want to torture Collingwood fans, like because Premierships don't last, you know. I mean, they do, but they don't. Um, and oh, it's all about roughly... the dynasty these days. Yeah, and it ha- is. Yeah. <laughs> this this whole um, like twenty first century has been what Brisbane, Geelong, mm. Hawthorne. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, if no one remembers Collingwood's flag, really, it's it's sort of just there. It's, it's easy to forget for sure. Oh, you got Sydney as well, and but they're a bit more in and out, aren't they? Oh. But they're always around the mark, so they've got something. Again, they've got a couple, so mm. you sort of remember that a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And would you say there's any psychological advantage in this game? I think it's probably a bit of an even thing. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I can't really think of one, to be honest. No. Why would have one? All right. Well, look, um, we've got a couple of questions from the game thread. I'll sk- there's a really good one from CT Power, but it's going to go for too long. Um, but we'll just discuss it quickly, I suppose, which is he said, Homsch, Jonas, Trengo, Stewart and Carlisle are solid but don't offer a lot going forward. How many of these guys can we keep in the back six where they're sort of mostly shut down and not really uh, forward running? Um, what's the mix we should have down back? How many do you reckon we can keep in there, Dylan? Um, gee, that's a tough question. Um, it just depends on the way the game's going, like the opposition as well. Um, Trengo's not really... Uh, this is like a real long-term question as well. It's like, it does, is. does yeah. Carlisle play next year? Is Trengo going back to the back lines? Yep. Probably. Um, Homsch, well, Homsch is a lock, right? That's that's no yeah. doubt about that. Yep. Yeah. Stewart, uh, probably not going to play next year either. No. Jonas is the one, I guess, that you have to really have the discussion around because he's not really tall, not really small. And again, yeah, he's not really much of a rebounder either. So I think we can probably try to. Uh, I really like Tom as well, yeah, Tom Jonas, but it might be sort of time to start thinking about a system without him. Especially I, if we want to play so many flankers in the team as well. Yeah, look, I agree. I think if you're looking for someone that you could trade out um, in that defence, uh, it would probably be Jonas. Um, what his value would be on the open market, I don't know. I think it'd be pretty good. I think there's a lot of teams out there that could use that sort of switch defender that can be a bit taller or a bit smaller if they need to, and they are that shutdown defender because there's a lot of sides that do need that. Um, and he's probably fairly replaceable. Uh, Logan Austin's form in this game and the rest of the season will obviously be a huge contributor to that as well um, to see how he goes and what sort of matchups he can play on. Um, I don't know. I agree. I think we're not in a position to really say yet until we see a bit more in the season, if we see Carlisle's going to come back in the top side, we'll all be revealed by around 20, really. Maybe that's probably the time for this question. Um, 
we've got um, another question from AFL 2004 asking where you're going to sit at the game. Um, Probably. I, <laughs> I, I bounce I'm around as much as I can. Strictly, yeah, general admission. So I might start. I don't know. It depends if I'm meeting anyone who's sitting in the cheer squad. Yeah. Maybe I might go down there. But I like to get up high and get a nice view and see what's going around around the ground. Usually I'll move to the cheer squad around the last quarter. Yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah, I, I usually start in a good spot, like somewhere close to centre wing as I can get, and then if people annoy me, I move around, which usually happens. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bloody uh, elbow Collingwood fans. Oh, anyone, anyone, any fans can do it. It doesn't take much. Um, Stockholm's got a good question. Uh, has there been a genuine turnaround in form, or have we gotten lucky and merely wallpapered over some of our cracks? Um, it's hard to tell, because especially being live at the Carlton game. Mm. I was really annoyed at our sort of lack of effort in midfield, and I thought, we sort of look all right. Still, West Coast is like a really good team, and I thought we did pretty great against them, considering our sort of form for the last 18 months. And Melbourne, it's hard to judge how good (laughs) Melbourne are. We lost to Essendon. I mean, come on. I think how highly they rated is mostly down to media hype. No, I don't think we've turned a genuine corner. That's, I, I still don't feel confident in saying that we're going anywhere this season. Yeah, oh, look, I think we've got a lot of players that they wilt under genuine quality opposition and we just got to wait for the genuine quality opposition to expose them again. I think there's a bit of a honeymoon period because we are playing against incomplete sides that have had injuries or they are overrated or whatever else. Um, and I think we're going to get that exposed not too far, those players. But I guess we'll see. It might be a genuine lift. Um, but I would have to say that we're probably... There's not a lot to take out of the last few weeks, really. Uh, all right, well, look, we'll move on now to Fringe Force 5, where we talk about one of five uh, players that uh, we're talking about being in and out of the side and the fringe players at the start of the year and seeing how they're going through the uh, year. And this week we're around to Jimmy Tompas, who uh, he's not in the side and there's a few people are championing him uh, based on his <coughs> form before he was dropped and also the fact he doesn't seem to have gone too wrong at SANFL level. Um, he was uh, drafted number four in 2012 National Draft originally and traded for last year through a bundle of picks and we got him for pretty cheap. Um, I don't know, how do you see Jimmy Tompas? Do you think, what do you think about his game? Do you think he's just not offering what we need right now? Um, who would you say he's behind perhaps? I don't think it was that good at the start of the season to warrant selection and continued selection, mm. but it was annoying because by the time he got dropped, he was actually looking like he was building something. Yeah. And yeah. then again, when what Amon uh, hasn't been that great and Jimmy's been tearing it up and they haven't really thought about bringing him back in. It's just one of those things where you have to get really, really angry and melt at the selections. But uh, yeah, this this is probably like you know, 20... 22nd, 23rd in line, sort of yeah. 23rd, 24th, he would be in the team if he was 22nd. But yeah, I think he's still he's still there, but I haven't watched any Magpies, you know, obviously being no. in Melbourne, so I don't, I can't really comment on his form. I hate commenting on people's forms, and I'm just looking at a stat sheet, to be honest. Yeah. Look, it's it's interesting um, with Tompas. Um, in the, I don't think he's a comparison to Amon. I think that, like we talk about inside and outside players, but I think there's very clearly sort of three categories at the moment. Um, and there probably has been for a while. But um, like you've got the really inside guys, like the guys that are basically there at every ball up. 
and you've got the genuine outside guys, and I'd say Amon's clearly one of those. And then you've got yep. the guys that sort of do that mm-hmm. middleware, the link work. And I'd say that Polek operates in that category. Polek, yeah. Um, and I'd say that that's where Tumpus is being trained to be part of. So I think that at Melbourne, he was used as that genuine outside player. Uh, and I don't think he did so well with that. But I think now that he's adding a bit of bit more contest, a bit more physicality to his game and working a little bit closer to the ball than he did at Melbourne, um, I think that's where he's, we've seen real improvement come through. And so that's why I'm a little bit disappointed he's not in the side because that's something he will need to develop at AFL level. Um, but I'm just not sure who... Like, I suppose, if, I don't know, you could say if Pollock's form continues to be poor, he could come in for him. But Pollock's got a quality of disposal that I'm not sure Tumpus has. So it's a bit tricky. He's been a bit lucky. Uh, I've been unlucky, sorry. Well, um, if, you can, if you can smash down the door at ASN about, um, ANFL level, yep. then that's awesome because we haven't had a player do that probably since like 2014, 2013. <laughs> I can't that's remember true. a player genuinely forcing their way to the side. Maybe Brendan Archie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We haven't really. I suppose you could say Sam Gray has because he's been very consistent at SNFL level for a long time oh, before he got his... I feel like he was just crack. sort of getting this real free ride in the AFL team and being terrible. And then yeah, he just well, suddenly became good. He's sort of like this <laughs> real anomaly. Yeah, it's hard to work out what's happening with him because he you know, obviously had that indifferent form for the first part of the season and he's come in again last week and he's doing really well. So it's really hard to tell with Sam Gray. Um, he's like he's like Port Adelaide. Like, which one is the real one? You know, yeah. Are we that good or are we just mediocre? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking because uh, Aaron Young is the Fringe Force 5 for next week and I'm thinking we probably drop Aaron Young out. He's a regular now and probably slot in Sam Gray because he's a, an enigma that we need to monitor. Um all right, well, look, uh, we have had one comment from JVC saying he's a, that Jimmy's been a bit unlucky, but he's not really a player that makes a difference at this point, and I think that's pretty much exactly spot on. Um, I don't know that he'd make us win or lose games with his form right now. My my concern about him not being inside is purely about his development uh, for future games. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, look, I guess we'll very, very briefly discuss the SNFL game, which is against Glenelg at Albert Oval on Sunday. Um, there's no clues at all from the ins and outs that are named. Um, everyone that's been named on the extended bench, I think, has been named in the uh, in the Magpie side, pretty much. Um, I guess the only real other thing of interest this week is it's Corns versus Corns. So Kane's obviously involved with the uh, Glenelg match day um, coaching, and Chad's obviously the head coach of the Magpies. Can you think of anything that is, is more bizarre in football? It's more bizarre <laughs> than that in football than Corns versus Corns for a Port Adelaide Glenelg game. That just that's right at the top of the list of. It's uh, come full circle, hasn't it? It's come full circle, and it's one another one of those little milestones that if you look back at footy thirty years ago and you say, "Oh yeah, now Corns and Corns will coach Glenelg and Port Adelaide in the future," you just say, "No, mate, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen, but it's happening." So there you go. Um, interesting. Uh, it's at Albert and Oval, so obviously you want to beat Glenelg, and I think they're a fair bit further down the ladder than Port are at this stage. So they're not having the a great traveling. season. Do you have the ladder? Or? I did have it, but I haven't got it up right now because I had to restart my computer before the recording. Nice. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Live radio, everybody. Yep, that's the one. Or podcast. But um, yeah, hopefully we get the win there. And look, I guess it's time to wrap up and talk about who's your winning side and what's the margin and who's your highest goalkeeper for Port. Uh, yeah, I think Port's going to win, give us six goals. I Oof. don't feel like we're going to start belting sides properly anytime soon. So yeah, six goals and Chad Wingard to kick five. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fair. He's been building, hasn't he? He's been really coming back from those concussions and 
mm. whatever. I've got to say, this is a game that really worries me because last week against Melbourne, like I was, I was not arrogant, confident. I was just knew we would probably win because I've seen a bit of Melbourne. But Collingwood, I don't see as much of. And we've just gone through their whole setup on field, and it looks like we should win. Like we absolutely should win. But it's in Melbourne. It's at, it's at Collingwood's home ground at the MCG. We can be overawed away, and if we play rat shit in terms of accountability, like we did against Carlton, we could get truly smashed. Um, and now Craig's put the absolute moz on it. He said that Port are going to win by 47 points. So that's because <sighs> he said we're going to win by 47 right, points. Let's so. just let's just fire the team back already. It's over. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, we've got Stockholm saying 11 points in a Griffin contest, which I think is probably close to my own prediction. I'd say that this is going to probably be a close one. Um, I feel like we're, like you said, we're not in a position to put away sides. And if we don't put Collingwood away, they'll keep in touch. And I think it might be quite similar to the game last year. Um, so I'm going to say Port by seven points. Uh, I reckon the highest goal kicker. Uh, it's going to be hard not to say Wingard, but I'm going to say Dixon. I reckon Dixon will get away from Reed. I reckon he's got good physicality and hopefully he'll get the opportunity to exercise it if we can get on top in midfield a bit. So we'll see. Um, now we've got the immediate this week, which is the uh, the person that uh, you don't expect, but they're there for good or bad. And who's your immediate for Port this week, Dylan? Oh, totally haven't thought about this. Um, ah, <laughs> caught you out. All right. Uh, okay. Um, Justin Westhoff, because last year he was yeah. really good, and you know, he was he was good last week as well. So yeah, yeah, no, not quite enough. like immediate, but maybe like he's getting there, and he's the immediate this week. Yeah, no, that's reasonable. Um, I'm probably going to say Logan Austin. I think he's going to get a big job. Um, you know, a big job for a first gamer. And I think that's probably gonna do the rattlesnake well. to you. Oh, the rattlesnake, sorry. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Tommy, whatever. good old Tommy, Tommy Austin. Um, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I reckon, uh, I reckon he's probably our immediate for four. I reckon he's going to come in. I reckon he's going to play surprisingly well. Um, and uh, who's your immediate for uh, Collingwood? Uh, who do you reckon at Collingwood is someone that maybe doesn't always perform but might be a bit of a threat to us? Um, can you name yours so I can... Have a okay. second. <laughs> yeah, all right. Look, um, I'm going to say uh, Mason Cox because I just hung a bunch of shit on him pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like Mason Cox. I mean, he's kicked four against Brisbane. He hasn't done a lot else. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be just like it for him, this be the game where he comes and actually has a you know, 15, like a, a six or seven mark game and he kicks four goals or something like that against us. and Just crush the positions. hearts of Australian patriots everywhere. <laughs> I know, right? Although no one apparently seems to care, but there you go. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Mason Cox this week. I think for Collingwood, he's he's the one that we should smash, but we probably I don't know. It could get embarrassing if he All has right. his on week. Let's go with um, Ben Crocker because he has an amusing last name, and he doesn't seem like he's that good of a player. So no, he's an absolute Barry Crocker. <laughs> Barry Crocker. He'll have the opposite of a Barry Crocker this week. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, now our last thing here is the bet the house, which is the big one, um, where you try and nominate something that is a little bit of a risk, but you're still pretty certain it's going to happen. So it can be anything at all. It can be a margin. It can be, a, as Mac has done a couple of times, the fact that we'll lose pit outs by more than 50 or something like that. <laughs> um, have you got a, a bet the house this week, Dylan? Uh, all right. Jasper to get more disposals than his number. <laughs> 29. <laughs> All right. Okay. Is it still kind of reach, but I feel like it's something that you know they don't have much on the half forward 
or much that can really shut him down, and I think he'll just have a field day at halfback. I kind of feel like if we're getting that far in front, he'll probably be able to run up ground more and maybe even kick a goal. So I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to go on the Pittard bandwagon myself, and I'm going to say Jasper Pittard is going to kick a goal, and he's going to get at least twenty possessions in the process. Nice. Pittard goal week. There you go. Rick is here in spirit. <laughs> That's right. It's the Pittard show right at the end, just for Rick. <laughs> All right. Well, look. Um, we're, contra- we're contractually obliged. <laughs> oh, we haven't mentioned New Vision yet. New Vision, New Vision, New Vision, New Vision, New Vision. Um, all right. Well, look, I guess we can wrap it up there. We've gone for a while. Uh, I think we ran about the worked out on time in the end because we didn't have much to say about the SNFL. Awesome. So, um, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, Dylan, particularly coming on at fairly short notice. Um, and thanks for um, everyone that's tuned in live and the Spreaker chat. Uh, it's been really good. A good set of comments this week, actually. It's been really uh, quite entertaining. I haven't been able to read all of them out. Uh, it's moved quite fast. But, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone. And everyone listening to the podcast through iTunes or other means, um, thanks for listening in. And I guess all we've got to say now is go Ports. Can the Ports. Can Port. The heat's on in the kitchen. Oh, look at this. Quite simple. Good attack from Galapati Carlo. He left his man. He took them on. He gets to Lines. Oh, baby. The finest of Lines.